0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IVT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivilevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is Shruzi with Rav Mayor Schiller. Rav Mayor, you might have noticed that I titled our last program, Mayor Eneith Achonim. I hope that that isn't too pretentious. Uh, those of our listeners might remember that we basically stopped a sort of at an, an important point in Rav Schiller's life when he was about to transfer to, to Rockland County. But I think a number of things have occurred since our last conversation. I am now in Eretz and we all know what has occurred in Eretz on Sheminiat Seris. A very dark and terrible day. people are still reeling and coming to terms with it. When this drops, obviously the war will still be going on. This prospect of Yiddish Karbon over and above the thousand or more dead that has already occurred is quite terrible and I mentioned to Rame off pod that we should probably say a couple of comments towards this, especially as uh as important as we think our stories might be. Our hearts have to be open, and our and our minds and our and our feelings. Mayor, what would you like to say?
1: Well, first, just an anecdote that I have: a fellow who played hockey for me at Ramaz, and his son, after graduating college, went there to Soil for one purpose—to serve in the IDF. And his term of service ended before circus. So the poor boy told his father, you know, I devoted all my years in the army for a moment like this, that I could help out a So, but apparently there are very complicated bureaucratic red tape obstacles to renewing your service. If you're a person. So he wasn't able to go back. So he's doing all sorts of volunteer work and so forth, but just the, the sense that he should have this great pain that he can't go to the front lines and do something for Kleistrope. That's my first thought. And my second thought is the the intractable nature of, of the whole situation here. Once we get past the point of sorrow and pain and rage, and we have to do this and that, but at the end of the day, the situation is going to be largely the same. Bibi can say as much as he wants to, it's going to change forever, but I don't see exactly how you do that with. million people. Do you go in? Do you reconquer it? Do you bid certain political ideas and parties? Does the Israeli army police their elections? I mean, the idea of what the day after is going to bring is is very hard to imagine. Again, these 2 million people are still going to be there. And I I don't exactly see, or I don't see at all, what the long-term solution is. And there might not... Just be a long-term solution. The West Bank is not as hot as, as Gaza is, but it's still the same situation of the Israelis' fear, and not without justification, they fear moving seriously towards two states. On the other hand, you're not going to take these people and drive them out in some sort of, you know, Kahan is throwing them into Jordan or wherever. That's not going to happen either. So now you're stuck. And it could be this is just a Nisoyan, a painful yoke that we're going to have to bear uh, around our necks until a HaGoyal. I mean, the most strident anti-Zionists. So what do they say? Give it back to the UN. What does that mean give it back to the UN? The UN doesn't want it. So again, I, I don't see what you do here. I said after the uh, disengagement from uh, Gaza, that some Hamas leader should have gotten up and said, listen, we have a chance to show the world now we can be voila mentioned. Take the missiles, guys. Don't throw them out. Just put them in the basement. Take the missiles, put them in the basement for 10 years. The next 10 years, we're going to work on education, medical care, jobs, farms, technical training, and while we do that, the world's going to give us a lot of help and a lot of this, and probably eventually we'll have a sovereign state. If that approach fails, in ten years from now, you can go down to the basement and get the missiles. But they can't do it. There's some blockage in their in their mentality, which doesn't allow them to do this, and that makes the it's the an, an intractable an intractable problem. I think. Let me just
0: respond for a second. You know, I'm a novice in in Ericsson's role of politics. But I do know that the Hamas charter yes. really is, is definitively yes. a- about killing the Jews and getting rid of the state of um, yes. driving us into the sea. Yes. And it's, it's the raison d'etre. I, I guess the dogma that comes to my mind of a failed attempt is what happened in Iraq in the presidency of Dubia. Iraq was invaded and basically what was supposed to happen was a getting rid of Saddam Hussein and installing a different type of government. Now, that used to be called nation-building, right? That's sort of like a euphemistic phrase that the United States was involved in in South America and many types of activities. So we have sort of dogmas of getting rid of monster one. Now, if Hamas is monster one so definitively that they can't do the thing that you said, which is hold the missiles in abeyance and build a beautiful city with all the money coming in from all the western countries. Maybe there's some aspect of moderation. The Shaila is, I think, the Palestinian people who even Biden said that Hamas doesn't represent them. Maybe that's not true. Are they, is their heart and soul, the average Palestinian, is he basically the same way every single one of us says Krishna and puts on tefillin, and Seshmanestray and Belize Ramesh Feinstein was the God of Ador, and the Satvarov was a great Sadik, do, do they all basically assume the same thing that Hamas represents the right thing for them? If that's true, it is intractable. But if it's true that the Palestinians have some aspect of moderation, similar to what you said before, maybe we can find a devil that isn't as terrible. Maybe, right?
1: Yeah, I I think the problem is this, that the liberal mindset, and by that I don't just mean what we call liberals, I include the conservatives in the same thing. They're so committed to the notion that we have the model for the rest of mankind that we inevitably fail when we try to engage in this, this nation building process because we refuse to admit that there might be parts of the human race who are not loyal to Locke and Jeffersonian principles and and this makes it very difficult for us to go anywhere and and not make a big mess. So again was the colonial system better maybe i mean i'm often tempted when you look at the history well, look the
0: images which i haven't really seen much of although i watched a little bit of the new york times video of the reconstruction of the massacres they wrote but if those images Represent the ideal, the applause, the love of the Palestinian people. Then you're right. There's, there's nothing to talk about because either we basically, whether it's Kahana-like or even more complete, there's not going to be much of an AIDS. Somehow, you know, there's still a part of me that believes that it's possible that there's some realists there who can somehow fathom some
1: sort of cold peace together. The realists would have to be willing for us to admit that it's not necessarily going to work with democratic rights and majority rule 100%. and First right. Amendment rights. We have to get beyond that and realize that the rest of the human race is was not necessarily there at, at Lexington and Concord among and Hill.
0: Yeah, look, I love the colonial references, but the truth is, is that we are ready with the little smokescreens to talk about Ukraine as this great Bad bastard of democracy, right? And so, you know, we know how corrupt the Ukrainians are. We know, you know, I'm not going to go racist here about being in their, their geza. I wouldn't say that, but we know that the system for years and years was corrupt and under the table. Nothing like what we would call a a democratic place. However, it's possible that what they were doing was a lot better than what had been. And maybe. Maybe we can if, and this is the big if, if the Israeli might and know-how, and somehow they could come up with this type of chap that they came up with to rescue the Khebrad and Tebi, the same way they were able to come up with some credible chop to to bomb the Iranian the nuclear station. If there's some way that they could uproot and completely eradicate all those tunnels and pulverize them? I don't know. There must be some way to do it, some smart bomb or something that they could somehow insert. And then you're right, it's going to be whoever rises from the dust will definitely, as you say, it won't be Jeffersonian, it won't be Loxian, it won't be even Netanyahu-like, it won't be anything, but it it won't be the type of savage, bloodthirsty killers that we Saw on Shmina Teres.
1: Right. You have to address somehow the economic situation also. Although, again, the world has attempted to address that. And instead of trying to really plug into that seriously, it seems not to deter them. I don't know. I mean, if somehow the economic situation can be alleviated, but it would involve so much money and so much. Technological know-how to go in there and do that, and it's so it's so overpopulated, it's so crowded. So I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. Again, I suspect. Again, everybody's thinking he's going to launch a ground offensive. All right. I mean, hundreds will die, and and then and then what? And what happens the day after? I don't. I don't see it. But yeah, you know, it could be. At, at, at very least, it'll shut things up for another year or two.
0: Well, let's hope it's more than that, because I don't. That uh, the national psyche in Eretz and the reverberations throughout the world. This is, you know, a, a tragedy. And, then, of, and of, you got to
1: hope that that Nasrallah stays out of this also. You got to hope for that. You got to pray for that.
0: You're talking about Hezbollah. Yes, yes. yeah, Hezbollah. Yes, but uh, Biden warned them today, and you know, I don't know what his warnings mean. And again, you know, we can we can talk about whether Biden's appeasement of Iran and, and his complete. Vacuousness and and weakness that he showed yeah. in Afghanistan and everything, uh, yeah. you know, all of these things were 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 part of what encouraged this.
1: To what degree did the 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 violent leftist rebellions taking place in Israel did that somehow encourage this?
0: One hundred percent. I think everyone I've spoken to has mentioned it as, a, as an important factor. Some say it, it was an indicator to Hamas that. These guys are ready for a punch. These guys are so going up in so many different directions. Even if you want to say that they're so tough militarily, there's no way you could be concentrated. It's almost like the fighter who, who drinks till three in the morning, even though he gets in the ring and things like he can punch. Well, we know that he's running around with the floozies and drinking and there's no way, uh, you know, he's going to be able to stand up to the blows of the new boxer. I think Um, that's,
1: um, unless he's Babe Ruth.
0: Right. Yeah, but I'm thinking more of like Jack Johnson. M- my point is, is that that's that's for sure true. And I think others have even said, even in, in a stronger fashion, which is that not only did it embolden that, it, it was, it, it actually is true that that we that the Israeli government fumbled in, in such a major, major way in ways that are astonishing. You know, normally whatever you want to say about the previous governments, look at the way they took care of, you know, the Munich bombers, right? They understand how to strategically, to be perfect, and nobody can fight them. And here, you had four... Communi- but in 1973, they were not so ready. You're talking about when, in 72, when the when the Munich massacre occurred.
1: No, no, I'm saying in 73, before the Yom Kippur War, most right, of the Yom Kippur war, war right? they were not responding uh, to the information which they were getting at that point in 73.
0: It really is, there's no question about it, that the... The fissures that have shown themselves, the ones that have become a tremendous chasm between the left and the right, and the rhetoric, and again, I would say, you know, the, the, the rhetoric, um, especially the condemnation, the damnation of, of the government, mm-hmm. you know, all of that added to the perception of weakness and the actual weakness.
1: The, the statement by the, by the pilots that they wouldn't serve, they wouldn't report for training? That's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do.
0: Right, right. which is, again, so antithetical. I do want to say, by the way, you mentioned we started today's uh discussion with your, the, your anecdote. I have to tell you that that is a story that I've heard replicated over and over uh, of people who, when they heard about what was happening, the first thing they could think of is to rush back, even though it would seem, you know, being stuck in America when there's no flights is probably the easiest way out, and I'm sure nobody was going to court-martial them or... All right, And also there's a big nadvin I heard up in, in your neck of the woods, up in, uh, up in the mountain area. I think he's, uh, wrote to Be'ilum Shmoy, I went to JFK airport and said, look, I'm giving you this credit card. Any Israeli citizen who wants to go back to fight, the ticket is being paid by me. And supposedly,
1: uh, I'm, I'm just going to add as a little limit schuss here, this same young man who found out he couldn't continue to serve. Uh, he had sent to his father. And this is Ram, a Ramaz family. It's not, you know, it's not MTA, it's not Jay's, it's a Ramaz family. And he sent to his father a picture of the the fellows on his military base with, you know, knitted yarmulkes, all of them, and they were gathering for Kriya Sartor. Now, I was a little confused by this because they were not wearing Talos and tefillin. So when is there Kriya Sartor without Talos and Tefillin? It's not going to be Shabbos. No one took a picture on Shabbos from among them. So I wrote to him, and said, was this a fast day? Maybe it was a fast day. So he asked us what this was all about. So here are Misa from religious Zionist circles, okay? And they tell us to the, to the Hamish the El, who was so parochial in these matters. Here's the story. They got to their base in somewhere in the negative, okay? And the Sefer Torah was not there. It was supposed to arrive. It had not arrived. So they said, listen, we don't want to miss Montreux. So they got together, and they daven shachas with tals and fill them. And noch mitug, like 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the Sefer Torah arrives. So somebody goes around to all the tents which had from soldiers in them and tells them the Sefer Torah is here. They come together. We get a lane, a regular and shtick. That's it. So there must have been 20, 30 kids wearing is here in Kriya late in the afternoon because they wanted to daven shachas with a minyam as mantfila, but yet they didn't want miss laning. So I think that can shatter a few stereotypes, and it should be a, a source for the Klai Yeah. When did that story happen, Reb Mayer? A few months ago. Well, the truth is, I have to tell you, I'm here in
0: Yerushalayim, and uh, in the midst of the greatest terrorist centers, perhaps, you know, outside of the Nebrak. <laughs> and, you know, the, the Zmanim start. Dave Landau said that we have, there's nobody in the Zmanim. Everybody should come and learn. And, you know, to me, part of it was 300,000 get called up, Okay, we're not taking it easy, you know. And I think there's a, a unstated and not necessarily nice sense of kidthroop that, oh, you see, in other words, the images that they're seeing is they're going to be leichim. So here, no, we're going to, we are going to do our melchama. our melchama of shas, the melcham to and the, and swimming the Yama Talmud. And I understand that because it would be a keferlecha Hashem in a way that all these young people are, 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 leaving their families and, and the yeshiva kids are still dragging around the streets of King George and Yafo and Machnihudah. So as so I understand, or Bill Blando understood, we gotta get these guys. It's for them, for us, for the belt. And now the question is, what, what is the Messer? So I, a number of things have, have, have come up. One thing was in the, in the Mir Yeshiva, which is the biggest yeshiva uh, in the world right now. They have decided that, at least until Rosh Chodesh, maybe even longer—I don't know—is to emphasize kedusha Shabbos and kavod Shabbos because the Orach writes that the segula of Rosh Hashanah shachal b'Shabbos, not needing the shayfer, is when you have kedusha Shabbos aroyis to a point you don't need the Shoifer. And the fact that this happened, according to the Mir Rosh Hashive, is a raya that a felt that it was missing our appreciation of kedushas and kedusha Shabbos. Rabbi Chag Zilberstein, who's uh, considered in some quarters one of the gedolei yisrael, uh, clearly a great machaber and a, and a wonderful human being, also sent out a keotere how important it is to be makben now and hilchis Shabbos. His grandson pointed out to him that there were a number of, of kibbutzim near Gaza that. Because they had gates, the terrorists didn't attack. And he said, and that we have to be. And I have to tell you, all of this does not sit too well with me in, in, on, on many levels. But I wanted to first tell you, if you agree, that, as you say, for, for the limus for for the boys, the tremendous nefesh, Mamish, of soldiers of all ranks, from all stripes, is sort of a problem for the the charei Shavelt, And there's an option that they could do, which is embrace it, have special tefillahs for the soldiers, right? but they can't do that. Right? But instead, they have to somehow craft, we're the leichmin, and this is the siba, and we are in our way being the the Kilkoklapi shamaya. Anyway, this is, this is maybe not your territory to, to wax, uh, strongly in. Maybe it is. I don't know. But it, it, it did not sit well with me on, on many levels. How does it sit with you?
1: I am at a loss to understand the non-Zionist position. I understand the pro-Zionist position. I understand to some degree the anti-Zionist position, but the non-Zionist position, which is the position of the vast majority of Charei D'Shiklal Yisrael, Rosh Hashivas and Rebaz and Rabbanim, I can't make heads or tails out of it. In other words, it says the following. We want a state. We want a state to have a big, strong army and fight rough and tough wars. We are going to demand one thing of this state. We're not going to serve it. We're not going to die for it. We're going to ask it to give us lots of money. And if it refuses to give us lots of money, boy, are we going to be mad. Are oh, we going to be upset? What a chutzpah. You don't want to give us any money. So again, it's like domim mashma. In other words, I'm not giving you my domim, but you better give me your domim right away. And I'll tell you, as you said, if they would at least be, having some level of gratitude if it would at least be we can't say enough to thank you and praise you. We find it difficult to be in the army. We're going to do other stuff. We're going to do volunteer work. Tell us what to do. We're so marketized. But no, it's how dare you not give us stuff. And the Marshall I give is as follows. This could be a Shafa and I hope none of you listeners are put off by it. But my Marshall is as follows. A family is sitting in their house. And a neighbor across the street starts shooting guns into our house and the windows are exploding and some of my family have been wounded and we're running to get guns to fight back. And one member of the family walks into the kitchen and he says, in the middle of all this gunfire, he says, is somebody here going to give me my lunch? And again, that seems to me to be, to be their perspective. And I find it unfathomable. I remember when I was a Rebbe, on your matzmuot, I would explain all three positions, and the one that I couldn't quite articulate was what I call the non-position. So again, I I don't understand it. At least if it was humble. At least it would be trying to help out, but I don't understand it at all. I really don't. If, if we are looking for messages,
0: if we are looking for tikkunin, isn't the, again, you know, the the idea, you know, what sort of beautiful thing that would be. Okay, they didn't come, but you know how much they were davening for the for the soldiers. How much the fact that they were mentioning them, the fact that it was again, you know, I I was at davening this morning in the Plaza Hotel, and they said, okay, the Gedaliyus all said we have to say we have to say say beSeisraeliuy. Because I'm thinking maybe the G'dalians should say we should say a special tefillah, especially Medina, and a special tefillah Yeah, sheer you can say it a Lavaya too okay? Why don't we all say specifically that we're being misspotted, right? Again,
1: and, there was a... Why do need you, you need to go You need the Israel for this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> please, please. So again, I'm, I'm not happy with it, but I, let's go to the longest of it a little bit. Again, I, I don't want to turn off your listeners here early in our programs, but again, it strikes me that at the root of this is a certain element of uh, condescending selfishness that uh, we're here, we're it, we are it. We're we're the greatest. Give us your money and your food. Die for us. And we're angry. We're going to shut down your streets. We're gonna we're gonna bring the police to have it have to attack us with hoses and horses because we shut down the traffic in Yerushalayim, because you've dared imprison one of our boys. Come on, come on. And I'll tell you another thought that I have when I see those guys, those Yeshivasha guys in the streets of Yerushalayim, laying down in front of the buses. People are using these buses. People want to get somewhere. People are going to school, they're going to their jobs, they're going to their doctors. That's your tough kid, also hailing hey, Yiddish folk to shut down the traffic in Yerushalayim. So here's what I say when I see them there because it doesn't seem to me that they're so upset, these boys. They're dancing, they're singing, they're laughing, they're joking. I said, Boy, do these kids need sports.
0: <laughs> well, look, it's clear to me when I was uh, learning in Yeshiva in the 70s, in Eretz Yisrael, that the Hebra that were involved in the Hafkanot were not involved in learning. These were guys. Who were part of a community, a society. As you say, there was no sports outlets and there was no, uh, there was no ballroom dancing outlets and there was nothing. There was no you know, 4-H club. There was no shop, as we talked about in, in, in another conversation. Yes, Wood shop and
1: metal shop. They yes.
0: That, right? They didn't have that. So, they, so they, have, they have the dress. They have the lavosh, but okay. They have half note, They have stones. They have screaming. They have other things. People who are, people who are in love with Taylor can talk with anyone. And, Would you and, say
1: that about, about the Peleg also, about the, the Orbachistan, the same thing?
0: The, which, which people?
1: The Arbach, the, 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 the political party, the Peleg, Yerushalayim. I'm talking about Rashmul Orbach I don't yes. really, again, I, I have friends that
0: are extremely
1: um defensive
0: about them, and I I, I have to plead, unfortunately, ignorance about, you know, because I, I've been told by very, very close friends that there's been a, a lot of mischaracterization of who Rav Shmuel was and, and what he's all about. And there has been a demonization that was unjustified. So I really, you know, and I, I'm sort of
1: holding back because I
0: really don't know. But um, those are
1: the kids who are in the streets. I mean, they're the ones from that 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 orientation that are in the streets.
0: Yeah, Kenzai. Look, all I'm saying is that when it comes to Tehra, Meir Schiller, Abram Kivlevich, uh, a Hevrner who doesn't speak a word of Yiddish, a A of Vishnits, we're we'll all sitting around the table and we're all gonna say, you know, what do you think Pshat in the Rash is? And someone else is gonna bring out the Ksis, and you'll bring out the Nasivas, and and somebody else will find, oh, I found in the Nasai for Nachz Yaku, we oh, "And we're gonna say that's an Irish guy. We don't like him anyway. Right? And and everybody will have a good laugh about it, and then we'll try to figure out the Pshat, maybe Nishtaze. Taih is the great equalizer. And and if 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 you are Shaku and Tera, then really you understand that understanding God's will and enjoying Learning is so sweet and geschmack that nothing else really plays a role. If sweet, if learning isn't sweet for you, it's not geschmack for you, right? So then other, you know, your, your aggressiveness and other things, it comes out in other ways. And this is true, I think, in almost all, the, whether it's Sat or Yeshiva <laughs> Shechever, because that's what happens. So to me, part of the problem is, is that, look, you start the Zaman early, of course. The best guy should be learning. Of course, should there have been a system where more people serve, and there would be a greater sense of community involvement, a greater sense of shared destiny, hundred percent. But as you say, the road is so far down, and the the, the worries of shidduchim, the worries of everything from from are so immense that I guess what I'm trying to say is the yeshiva belt. As much as people will say, there's more at now than there is since the time of Chizkiyahu Melech. In many ways, if we would pare down the system, and it would be the metsuyonim, the Mir would not have seven thousand people, but would have a thousand of the best. We would we would have, I think, a much healthier.
1: Now, so Greenblatt used to always make the point. I mean, you're familiar with Matus. Sure, of course. And Matus would always say, <inaudible> used to always say, not only are all the things you just said are true, but if you didn't have this enormous drain of guilt going to everybody in Kolo, you could afford to give a more dignified livelihood to Kolo than you like." and to your Malamdin Ramagi dashir. If you wouldn't be paying for thousands and thousands of people in endless koilo, there would be a lot more money around to give people a dignified life, which I think is a, an oft-forgotten point. But how much money is being siphoned off to keep people in koilo endlessly? And of course, the problem is that you got the problem of the draft, and of course they can't go to the draft, so they have to make-believe yeshiva. I'm, I'm at the point, my own thoughts on this subject, I'd say it, it, it just exempt them from the draft, not to go to work for crying out loud. Yeah. I'm I'm am at my wits end with them so much. But listen, let's let's not talk about bad things well, look, 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 I, well, I, I, I guess my
0: you know, just to just respond there for a second, up until this war, I have I thought that the Taina, that the Jarede Chevelt had that that it was unne that the amount of soldiering that you think is unnecessary. This is something that they said. They said that basically we have enough, and you don't want us anyway, right? So why are you hacking us a cup? But it's interesting that now, you know, there was 300,000 called up, and I think another 50,000 were called up today or perhaps more. Right. I mean, the numbers are staggering of, of how how many soldiers they are talking about.
1: If they're going to go into Gaza, who knows what's going to happen. They're going to need hundreds of thousands. And in that sense, if there would be, a friend of mine uh,
0: has pointed out, I, I go back to the motion of the Fat, Washed a boxer, but they're going to need a month, possibly or more, of tough guy training to get ready to go into Gaza.
1: You mean the Yeshiva? You mean if the Yeshiva people would be? there? No, even the guys who oh, are the
0: reservists, the reservists, reservist, right? Right. Sure, even the, sure. the as gung ho as they are, sure. as you say, it's going to oh, be, it's, it's going to be very difficult. Look, you know, I, I think that um, you know. Let me ask you, as what's end today? I know that you know. You have you? Did you go back to teaching at Munkach already? No, no. Okay. Do you expect to be able to... Uh, Next week, Monday. A- assuming that the war will continue, are you going to perhaps speak to the Heber about what their response should be in terms of
1: Phyllis, in terms of understanding? In tell me Hanholo or Talmudim? Talmudim first, at the foremost. I threw you a curveball. Yeah, no, it, it's more like a Quite Wilhelm screwball or something, but uh, <laughs> uh knuckleball, I think Wilhelm threw, Knuckleball. Uh, yeah, let me explain that they, they are so maybe a Ferguson Jenkins spitball. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, Great.
0: Fergie. Fergie was a very he did a lot of there was a lot of wet balls on his he, um,
1: and, did. And, he certainly did. Uh, Fergie, I'd say Fergie was famous for all the yes, you know, yes, and and Bob gives them a throwing at their heads, but uh. Yeah, but anyway, so I think that you're talking about a fifteen-year-old a, a Amunkach. He is so far removed from any of this. I was thinking about it on on Yontif and and Rachmistrifka. I was and Rachmistrifka. So we we'll start a little bit. And they've got this world they live in. It's almost impenetrable. The notion that there there's a soldier, there's army, there's dying, there's somebody in Ashkelon. It's very far removed from their map. So you, before you could do anything, you have to sort of just tell them there is the other 95% of clients, Earl, of which they are enormously ignorant, enormously ignorant. So by the end, to answer your question, yes. You know, a bright boy that I feel there is some point of entry and won't get me fired and so on and so forth. If I don't work for a living. I don't get paid. There's the, the mass work. But, you know, I, I think, yeah, sure, of course. Of course, it'll be in Bechirag. It's going to be where it will be an issue will be in Bechirag. That's where it'll be an issue. And um, the, the party line there is that we can't go to the you know, We can't do anything. We should just go sit and learn. That's all we can do. And once upon a time, I said something there in a class around eight, nine years ago about I don't understand the position and that Holler said to me in no uncertain terms, you know, don't cast any doubts on on our belief system. I have been completely obedient.
0: Yeah, it would seem that the, you know, this idea of putting the gloves down and embracing the other, I mean, that's at what least, Or at
1: least understanding him and understanding
0: him. Yes, and especially now, again, I can't, I'll just end with this. It was a fellow where I was staying in Kiryat Gat, and he woke me up. I was having a horrible night. And I'm barely falling asleep, just a couple hours before the dawn, and I just, made it to sleep when, 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 I had locked the door because I had rented the room. Mm-hmm. When he walked in and says, Rabbi Kivelovich, he says the sirens are going off. He says you should turn on. First of all, he told me to turn on the. He says turn on your phone. I have to be able to contact you, and you have to go down. You know, when the when you have 45 seconds. This is a fellow who has six children. This fellow who is fostering a child who was probably fathered by an Arab and a, a Jewish a Jewish woman, about an eighteenth month old child. His home is constantly open with people coming. A, a wonderful fellow. And, and we had engaged in, in interesting conversations about the nature of what some things we talked about, the why the country is so officious. Why is there so much red tape? Where does that come from? I, I thought it came from Britain. Uh, he thought it came. He thought it came from the Russians, from uh, Ben Gurion being a Russian, and therefore there was sort of this communist mentality. I thought it had to do with the Brits who provided the uh, superstructure of the country. We had a wonderful conversation. He was a great host, and then of course in midday he's gone because he's a leader of a of the reserve troop, wow. um, and he left. Of course, you know again, this the, the six kids plus the other one plus the his seven children. And you know, it just struck me. Yeah, it struck me. This is so. His wife sent me something, which I'll maybe close the show with. His wife sent me the notes that he sent from the front. And if anybody, you know, how could anybody not have his letters and, and realize? Let me read it to you. Hi everyone, writing from the south, one of the border kibbutzim. First of all, I know the hostage and casual situation is absolutely awful. October 7th was Israel's 9-11. The military battle is under control. Army's got its act together and is winning it. I'm there and this is coming firsthand. Morale is high, including among units which have suffered significant losses. The war is now all about the home front psychological battle. Hamas struck a big blow and is multiplying its success through feeding of fear and doubt, using the natural human thirst for information. They're experts at this. As difficult as it is, We have to, number one, take ourselves away from the videos and telegram groups, pictures of hostages, use the delete button, accept the uncertainty, two, love, trust, and take pride in our country, which remains the miracle that it is, three, help each other within our capabilities, donate blood, be active on social media, look out for our neighbors. Everyone's a soldier now. I'm Yisrael Chai. a fellow who's a wonderful person. He told me, you know, he saw my loofenestrik, which was a sug alef Aleph that my son had bought for me, and he said, "Look, where I'm holding a mitzvah," he says. Now look, I went with the I went with the the, the sug gimel, but a wonderful, wonderful person. And that's what I'm saying. These are the people that are remarkable for there being so many of them. It's an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. And I think the world that we both inhabit, the world that and we're going to talk more about it the next time, <laughs> finally the world that you came into that shaped so much of your learning parts needs to recognize these, needs to recognize these people and stop feeling threatened. And um, again, you know, I, yeah.
1: I, and here's another thing. I, I'd add this thought to this. The old time, mid 19th century, Moskal, who's at war with Yiddishkeit, is shen do He almost doesn't exist. These people in Eretz Yisrael—they're open to traditions, they're open to mitzvahs. The the Meretz voter and the Tel Aviv rioter are a dying breed. They're they're contracepting themselves out of history. And now you're dealing with a confused Klausral that loves jewelry, that loves Jewish practices. And it's up to us to make them feel welcome, to give them a as to Torah.
0: And let's hope we can do a lot to diminish those differences. Thank you, right. Romero, for letting me take you off topic today. We'll be back, hopefully. Again, I'll probably be here next week, but hopefully we'll be able to talk soon.
1: Okay.
0: Very good. Take care. Be yeah. well. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you like what you heard. If you did, Please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. Until next time, shalom.